Kids safe, mother approved. You're listening to Voice America Kids. Welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions. Before you go out and spend money on that new movie, make sure to listen to the entire show right here on the Voice America Kids channel. We'll take you behind the scenes and preview new movies and DVD releases. Now, here are your hosts for Kids First Coming Attractions. Thank you and welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions on Voice America Kids Network. I'm Jerry Ors and today we'll be talking to Kamala Deacon, who's the producer for the sequel to The Snowman, The Snowman and the Snow Dog. How are you doing, Camilla? I'm doing really well, thank you, Jerry. No problem. So, why did you want to make a sequel? I know you worked with the original producer of The Snowman, which was released in 1982, over 30 years ago. But what made you want to work on a sequel 30 years after it was released? I think it's because we felt that because the film was such a kind of unique little gem, but there hadn't been any other film with the same characters, we felt that the, the audience would like to see more. You know, the snowman's a very endearing character, and uh, the film is watched every single Christmas by pretty much all British children, and everybody really loves it. And, and we just felt that the time was right to, to bring him back and have another adventure. It is definitely a fantastic adventure, and quite a few times in the new one, the sequel, you see some more modern technology, like instead of in the previous film, you see stoves and other things from the 1980s. You see like a modern fridge, a modern dishwasher. Can you talk about that a little bit, how you kind of had to redraw some things so it looked like a modern-day house? Yes, well, in fact, uh, what we decided was that the um, house would be the same house, but you may have noticed in the first film, it's surrounded by fields and countryside. But in the sequel, lots of little houses have been built up around it, and it's now in a suburb. So time has passed, 30 years have passed. And so the little boy in The Snowman and the Snow Dog, whose name is Billy, is not the same as the boy in The Snowman, whose name is James. Uh, so we left it a little bit ambiguous as to whether Billy and his mother were related to the original family in the first film. I, I think it's up to the viewer to decide whether they think they might be relatives. But you see at the beginning of the film, The Snowman and the Snowdog, that they're moving into the house, the, the mother and the boy and, and the elderly dog that they have as a pet, and they move into the house, and that's when the magic begins. It is definitely when the magic begins. Can you just talk about the animation a little bit? Because it is a lot like the first first one in the 1980s, kind of self-drawn, very pretty animation. Yes, that's right. So the first film was all hand-drawn, and in fact it's cell animation, so it was uh, drawn onto acetate, which you could see through, and then you would have the backgrounds behind, that you would uh, bring bring the, the backgrounds and the foreground characters together. We very much wanted to do the new film in the same hand-drawn style, using the same very talented uh, animators, some who'd worked on the first film and some who were a bit younger and, and who hadn't worked on the first film but they were all big fans of it. But what we found was it was it was quite difficult to get hold of the special acetate that you need for this kind of animation. So we decided instead to do it with pencils on paper and because obviously with modern technology now you can scan the characters into the computer and then you composite them with the hand-drawn backgrounds. So the majority of elements in the film are entirely drawn by hand with rather lovely coloured crayon pencils. Um, and likewise, the backgrounds are hand-painted, watercolours and pencils and so on, but all brought together 
at the very end in the computer where we can add things like lighting effects and so on. And that's kind of what I like about both of them is that they don't have that CGI or 2D computer animation. They Each scene is self-drawn and gives you kind of this authentic look of self-drawn that you see a human touch has made this instead of just zeros and ones, which is what I really like about self-drawn animation. Thank you, Jerry. Well, we really wanted that. You know, we wanted the, the viewer to feel the human touch in there, you know, the, the little scratchy pencil lines. You know, there's a bit of variation in them, but that's what gives them their charm and their uniqueness. And it was very important to us that we wanted to keep that hand-drawn look from the first film. And I think what really struck us was how enthusiastic everybody was about it. You know, when the film went out for the first time in, in Britain, we had such amazing response. You know, the, the, the press and the public were so enthusiastic. And it occurred to us, you know, that we'd been very taken aback when we first saw computer animation. So when Toy Story came out, when Pixar released Toy Story, everyone said, oh my goodness, you know, this is the most amazing new type of animation. Of course, young children now are used to that. That's something they see all the time. So for them, seeing a hand-drawn film like ours, that's the novelty, and that's what they responded to. And we were really pleased. It gave us um, the courage, if you like, to, to carry on thinking of doing more hand-drawn films, which we're currently doing now. Yeah, definitely. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids Network. And right now we are talking to Camelia Deacon, who's talking to us from her London office, by the way. So this is kind of a cool international conversation right now. She was the producer for the sequel to The Snowman, Snowman and the Snow Dog, which was released in 2012. And Camila, can you just talk about the whole process a little bit? Like from the production, from the story writing to the music, the beautiful sounds that you have. Okay, well, we have a, had a very talented team directing the film, Hilary Ordus and Joanna Harrison, and both of them had worked on the first Snowman film. So they really had the characters in their hearts. You know, they were very respectful of how they were portrayed in the first film. And they wrote a, a, a lovely sequel, and with the input of Raymond Briggs, the author who's characters the film is based on obviously because he wrote a lovely book called The Snowman and that's what started it all off so we were very anxious to please him and very conscious that we'd want him to give his full approval of what we were doing and luckily he was extremely happy with everything and gave us his blessing and provided us with lots of great ideas and lovely drawings to help us. So you start with the script and then the storyboard, and again, everything was hand-drawn on paper. We wanted to keep everything entirely hand-drawn all the way through as far as we could. And we had some very talented storyboard artists. Again, I think there were five people working on the storyboard, and of those five, I think probably about three of them had worked on the first film. So again, you can see how we kept the continuity in the, in the design style. And then the next thing to do is you, you film the storyboard and cut it to the exact length that you want the film to be. So you, you time out all the scenes and didn't need to record any voices. You would normally, with animation, record the voices at this point, but because the snowman and the snowman and the snow dog are entirely without dialogue, what that means is that you have the freedom for the animation to tell the story and for the characters acting to really tell you what, what's going on in the emotional throughput of the film. So once we had the animatic, uh, um, and it was all exactly to time, then we started the animation process and we wanted to, as I said before, to do it all hand-drawn. But when we worked out how many pieces of paper were involved, we came to about 200,000 pieces of paper. Oh, we realized wow. 
Yeah, so it was quite an undertaking, and we had to be very organised with our filing systems, as you can imagine. And that was a combination of storyboards, layouts, character animation, and backgrounds. And we had a really lovely team doing the backgrounds, and, and I think they're very beautiful and very sort of luscious, with lots of detail in them, but, but extremely lovely to look at. And we felt that it was very important that the background team and the animators were very much in tune with each other. And so we really had everybody in the office together, everybody in the studio working together, so that all of the people that were working on the film could see what the other people were doing. And I think that's really helpful, because if you're on the storyboards or you're on backgrounds or you're on animation, you know, sometimes you can become a little bit isolated. But if you, if you work as a big team and you see each other's work, I think it really helps to make everybody pull together to create something that's really beautiful. And it took us about a year to make the film. We had quite a tight deadline because we, we, were, we were commissioned originally by a UK broadcaster called Channel 4 and they were very keen for us to finish it in time for Christmas so that it would go out on exactly on the 30th anniversary of the first film. So we had quite a tight deadline but we, we were lucky to find a really talented composer called Ilan Eshkari who has written scores for a number of lovely films. He, he's written the score for an Ardman film called Shaun the Sheep, and he's also written a number of Hollywood film scores. And he introduced us to a very talented songwriter called Andy Burroughs, and together they wrote a lovely score and some beautiful songs. And we were very lucky, because when we went to record the music, we went to Abbey Road Studios, which is the famous location where the Beatles recorded all their albums. So we really felt all that history is in the, in the walls around us as we recorded the music. And I think, I think that comes across in the end result. I just want to say the music and the audio is definitely beautiful. And I actually, and I know a lot of different kids for film critics reviewed Sha well I didn't review it but I love Shaun the Sheep so that's very cool how the same composer worked on the Snowman Snow Dog so yeah. were you a little bit worried because at least in the Snowman there was no real dialogue but there was some narration at the beginning to kind of give representation for what the story is in the Snowman the Snow Dog there is no sort of dialogue between any sort of characters well it is a challenge having no dialogue and you do have to make sure that you're very clear in your storytelling. But it's the kind of challenge that animators love because that's their job is to make sure that the acting of the characters they're drawing is really clear and is really connecting with the audience. So, no, I think the, we were always clear that's how we wanted to do it and I think the directors really enjoyed that challenge. And by the way, I forgot to mention this, that uh, if you want to get Snowman the Snow Dog, you can actually get it with the original Snowman in a collector's edition version. It has the Snowman, the Snowman, and the Snow Dog in a whole with your bonus features, so that is very cool. Camilla, thank you so much for talking to me about this wonderful short. Thank you very much, Jerry. It was very nice talking to you. Definitely check out the Collector's Edition that has the Snowman and the Snowman and the Snow Dog and a whole bunch of bonus features. It is from Ed Circle Entertainment, so definitely check that out. I got a copy, and I love it, so it is in stores near you. Let's take a break. I'm Jerry Ors, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. You're listening to Voice America Kids, now with 33% more active ingredients and no artificial coloring. To become a Kids First film critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall. We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. 
All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Want to know what's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network host? How about what's new with our network? Make sure you check out the iRadio blog, a look at what's hot at Voice America and beyond. Visit www.iradioblog.com today. Get the inside scoop on every channel on our network, including breaking news, featured guests, blog posts from our hosts, and much more. Make sure you sign up for our newsletter for even more inside action. Visit iradioblog.com today and stay connected. Join us every week for the Paper Hope Street Team. None of our topics are off the table. This is a program that you can listen to and discuss with your family. From the pages of the Paper Hope blog to the Internet radio airwaves, we'll talk about the topics you want to talk about, such as friendship and relationships, or some more controversial issues about sex, drugs, and underage drinking. Join the Paper Hope Street Team live every Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time, on the Voice America Kids channel. Let's talk soon. We don't care how you got here. We're just glad you showed up. You're listening to Voice America Kids. You are tuned in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Shh, turn off your phone. Another movie review is coming up. Hey, and welcome back. I'm Brianna Hopiton, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We just finished speaking to Camila, an animator for The Snowman and the Snow Dog. Next, we will discuss The Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 2, The Good Dinosaur, Creed, Mike the Knight, and Up on the Rooftop. So right now, we are speaking with 11-year-old Morgan from L.A. See, Kiefer just said that they grow up so fast. And you have grown up so fast, Morgan. And we are talking about The Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 2, which is one of my favorites. So, Morgan, it is great to have you back on the show with us. Can you please tell us your original thoughts on Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 2? Well, thank you. I definitely think this is a great movie because it has a little piece of, like, pie and cake for everybody. With a love (laughs) triangle for all those dreamers about love. A scary sci-fi action and adventure and it's like rolled up into this stellar film that I am like now in love with <laughs> and say you know saying that you're now in love with did you see the former films yes I have as a matter of fact and I think they did a really great job of wrapping up the series with this film and there's nothing left and literally like they could go either way with making another one mm-hmm. no spoiler mm-hmm. alerts but I'm just gonna say that and also I- they could not make another one because they ended it very well. Yeah, it could go either way. And I like how films do that. They can go either way. So it's like, well, you know, if we feel like making another one, then we'll make it and it'll be fine. But if we don't, it'll also be fine. And I think almost everyone knows that this is an adaptation. And of course, I have to ask you, did you read the books? No, I have not, actually. <sighs> I, plan to read them. I plan on reading them as soon as I turn 17. Okay. That's on my bucket list. 
Okay, well, I, I did read them, and I loved them, and but I can't really say that it's really similar to the book, because I read them, like, four years ago, and I really have no idea what actually happens in the book. So, the people who really memorize books, and they know what happens in the books, I hope that it is true to the book, and I also hope that it doesn't have to be true to the book. Books don't have to be true to the movies, and movies do not have to be true to the books. Just wanted to say that. So, this film has a lot of great cinematography and special effects and aerial shots and it's so different and it's very elaborate so can you please tell me a little bit about what you thought about the visuals i thought the visuals were just great and you can tell by the architecture that you can really tell that this is set in the future because it's so awesome and one of my favorite scene that is that scenes that is related to graphics would absolutely be when they had all the hot oil like pouring out of the buildings because that was like really cool just seeing that like a huge gigantic wave of this black stuff come at these people and they're like running for their lives and it's like awesome because that was like a little part of sci-fi because they had the great graphics and the action and adventure and that is just simply amazing (laughs) amazing i when i saw that scene i was like the first thought in my mind wasn't graphics it was like oh my gosh this is real that was the first thought of my mind of like oh my gosh how do they get this to do that but obviously it had to be special effects and things like that so the the fact that they got that out of me, like that was the first thought that I thought was like, oh my gosh, it's real. How are they doing this? And kudos to you guys. Kudos. Also, they have really scary, I don't know what they're called, but they're like these weird yeah. zombies kind of. And that really freaks, that freaked me out in a yes. good way because it was Hollywood graphics. And you were like, how the heck did they do that? Yeah. And I like, I really liked how they fought them off with, and Jennifer Lawrence, who plays Kat Everdeen in this movie, had her bow and arrow and was shooting at them and stuff. And there was like fire every single one that came out, like burst into fire. That was really cool. And yeah. that reminds me that I have something in common with her. And this is probably why she's my favorite character is we both know how to shoot bow and arrows. I have a bow and arrow myself, and I'm like, yay, I have something in common with an awesome character. That is so cool. I shot a bow and arrow once, and I got really close to the bullseye, but I think it was just beginner's luck. But anyway, seeing this film, and with all of the special effects, and with all the cinematography, and especially the mutts, I think they were called mutts, there were so many of them, and it, the speed of that scene was just amazing. It was speed, but it wasn't too fast that you didn't know what was, what was going on, because a lot of the times, it'll be really, really fast, and you're like, I have no idea what's going on, so the intensity that they're trying to portray isn't coming across because I don't know what's going on. So it was a really nice feed and I really liked it. So Morgan, how about some of the love triangle? Because I know that everyone is like, oh my gosh, you know, the love triangle, Gail, Katniss, Peta. How was that? I really liked the love triangle because you could just see the connection between all of them and how they really wanted to care for each other. And it was just simply stunning. And the ending is really amazing. Mm -hmm. So like that ends the love triangle between somebody and Jennifer so get ready for that because that's sure a shocker to me I had no idea that was gonna happen yeah and did you I have to ask this is another question that I just have to ask did you which person do you prefer for Jennifer to be with Ooh, yeah that's a hard one that's a really hard one I'm gonna say Peta because he was he's really caring and he really does like her you can just tell even though he had something wrong with him you could still tell that he really liked her when he wasn't really nuts <laughs> you made a and fabulous choice that is the correct choice guys so i just want to let you know that Peta is always the correct choice <laughs> thank you morgan for talking about this awesome and great film you're listening to kids
Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids Network. And today we are talking about The Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 2, The Good Dinosaur Creed, Mike the Knight, and Up Rooftop. So right now we are speaking about The Hunger Games again with the wonderful Kiefer from L.A. And so Kiefer, how, what are your thoughts about this film? First of all, I can't believe I'm having a conversation about Hunger Games with someone who's practically obsessed with Hunger Games. So I feel like yeah. I'm out of my league here. Yeah, I'm out of my league. So. I have to ask first, did you see this film yet? Oh, I saw it twice, Kiefer. Okay. I saw it twice. I'm sorry for asking. It's uh, how <laughs> dare I ask. So, okay, you know what's going on. Making sure. Yeah. I even read the books. Okay. It's not my audience. It's, I'm not the audience for it. I, don't, I haven't read the books. I've pretty much looked at this film totally from a film perspective, which I like to do. Okay. I mean, to be honest, <laughs> is it a satisfying ending? Yes, I'm satisfied with the ending. They advertise it as this big, huge, epic battle of proportion. I mean, we have to kill the monarchy, this huge battle. And what happens is something that totally comes, for me personally, came totally out of left field. Is it a terrible direction? Far from it. It's actually a very good twist. But again, you feel like, wait, I mean, this was good, but why couldn't we have this epic ending which we were promised? Um, so that was just my thing. I mean, I enjoyed it. I think I was totally satisfied with it. I, I saw these films through the end, and that's pretty much my... I really looked at these films nonchalantly, just like, you know what, I'm gonna just... You got me into it, I'll check it out as much as I can. So, it's the only dystopian film franchise that I'm actually into. And I'm glad, I'm, I'm glad it, it, the way it ended. I'm actually kind of happy with it. You know what, Kiefer, I'm, I'm <laughs> just, no, 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 just hear me out, hear me out. I am, I am. I'm slowly trying to accept what you're saying. Okay. But if I think about it now, and, and this is really hard for me for films that I know are going to be great and I know all about mm-hmm. them and I read the books, it's really hard for me to look at films like a film. And mm-hmm. and I think you know what I'm talking about because you know, with all the films that you like, that you are really adamant about, you're like, oh my gosh. And it's very <laughs> hard to separate yourself from it and be like, how yeah. is this as a movie or a film or, or you know, whatever you want to call it. So yeah. now looking back over it, which I should have done much earlier while I was watching the film, <laughs> which I tried to do. I definitely <laughs> tried to do it. But now that I think about it, I do definitely understand what you're saying. But as for me, I read the book. Not that I re- can recall everything that happened in it but I know the basis of what happens but I definitely understand where you're coming from and I just wanted to let you know that because I could sense this little like defending yourself like please don't kill me <laughs> I definitely understand where you're coming from and I applaud you for looking at The Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 2 as a film and not as oh my gosh Mockingjay Part 2 which is what you know I mostly looked it as <laughs> so thank oh, you quite welcome <laughs> I just wanted to let you know that I understood. Also, by the way, Team Finnick, of course. Oh, yes, yes. Finnick trumps all. I'm sorry, but Finnick trumps all. But yeah. it's... Yeah, anyway, before I get on a tangent about that, um, Kiefer, how do you feel as though, um, since, you know, you did kind of take a different take on what I thought about the film, Definitely what do. do you think um, the trailer differed from the actual film? You did say that it portrayed to be something, and then it was kind of something totally different. Wait, wait. It offered a more grand scale epic sort of ending. Like, it's pretty much saying we need to kill snow. We need to kill snow. We're going to kill snow. We're going to do all this. And then it takes a different direction, which 
to the film's credit, is deserving. This film is a very dark film, very dark subject. And I love it when films kind of make, give, it, give us a dark subject and kind of make us uncomfortable when it's deserving. There's some films who are just so dark and it's not deserving, and this film is totally deserving. I mean, I, I'm not saying I hate the ending. It's totally satisfying. I feel like that, yeah, I feel like that it's, we pretty much see the characters through, and a lot of the characters, we see what happens to them, and we get closure with some of most of the characters. These are the characters we, we really want. But, um, I mean, it's it's kind of my relationship with the Harry Potter series. I liked, I loved the series very much. It was a grand scale, but it's, you know, you know I'm, never mind, I'm not going to compare this film franchise to Harry <laughs> Potter. Sorry, that was a wrong idea to do. Scratch what I said. That was a yeah. bad idea. Uh-huh. Uh, careful, careful with me. Okay, I'm just going to erase that, what I said about Harry Potter. I like the film. That's just all that matters. I do like the film. <laughs> Okay, well, I'm glad that we got to that boiled down point. I, I'm glad that that's what it came to. Yeah. <laughs> well, Keeper, thank you. I, I know I felt like it went so short, but thank you for talking with us about <laughs> The Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 2. It's a pleasure. Oh, by the way, Team Gale. Okay, I'm leaving with that. Woo! No! Oh, now I can't see anything. Um, it's in theaters now, guys, so please check it out. Let's take a break. I'm Brianna Hope Beaton, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today's show is sponsored by the snowman at end circle entertainment sometimes we may sound strange but remember we're just kids with opinions you're listening to voice america kids to become a kids first film critic enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Looking for an on-air community where teens talk and the world listens? Tune in to Express Yourself, an entertaining adolescent fusion radio program where passion and possibility populate the airwaves. Our vivacious teen hosts and star-studded field reporters from around the country offer stimulating segments and invigorating viewpoints connecting with the world campus of young people. We'll talk with cool celebrities, exhilarating experts, and tenacious teens with experience. Tuesdays at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Kids. Express yourself. There's so much going on in the tech field. The tech team is here to sort it all out so that you know exactly what you need to get and what you should avoid. In this age of cell phones and text messaging and new discoveries every single day, you need to be informed. We'll bring you previews of new products, technology news, and help you make the right decision when you are out there buying that new MP3 player, cell phone, or mobile device. Don't do a thing until you've tuned in to the tech team. Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Kids. We didn't invent Kid Talk, we perfected it, and at a very young age. You're listening to Voice America Kids. 
are tuned in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Shh, turn off your phone. Another movie review is coming up. Thank you and welcome to the program, Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Keeper Blakesley, and today we just got done talking about Hunger Games and had a pretty much of a heated argument, but uh, it's not too heated, but it was a fun conversation. We also talked to Camilla on an animator for The Snowman and The Snow Dogs. We're also going to be talking about the films Mike the Knight and Up on the Rooftop and Creed. Right now I'm talking with Kayla from California and my good friend really from Florida, from, sorry, no, switch that around. Kayla from California, and really from Florida, about the new Pixar film, The Good Dinosaur. How are you guys doing? I'm well. How are you? Fantastic. And you, Willie? I'm great. How about yourself? I am fantastic. So, Pixar this year is back with another film, The Good Dinosaur, after Inside Out, which I'm really excited to see that Pixar is back. So, really, what were your impressions of this film? I thought it was a very good movie. Um, I thought it was very predictable and trite, but very enjoyable nonetheless. There's the really I know. Totally talks about the film, and then, wait! Gotta put that in there. We'll, we'll, get, we'll, we'll get into that. But, Kayla, what were, your, what were your first impressions of the film? I actually have to agree with Willie, because I thought it was really interesting as well, but also really predictable predictable okay then well coming from a guy who has not seen the film uh i will say my first impression of this film i i knew it wasn't going to be as like as good as inside out i thought inside out was a very very good film and this film seemed like another way for pixar to experiment with animation styles i think it looks it looks fun it looks cute so let's talk about the story really um what what particularly made the story a bit trite? I I, I think it's mostly because it's for the age range it's pointed towards. No, not necessarily. It's just that we've seen oh, this really? kind of story so many times before. What kind of story would would that be? The 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 son tries to get over his fear of life, and then you know his father tries to help him, and the father has to leave, and then the son has to go out into the real world. And through his experiences there, he comes back and he starts anew. And it sounds so much like this movie with the lion. I can't quite put my finger on it, but um, <laughs> it's really think of what I'm talking about because there's even there's a shot in the film that mirrors a, a shot in you know the movie with the lion I'm talking about. Uh, in that, so, um, that, that line, movie. things you mean like the that. The highest grossing animated picture. I mean. What? If that's what you want to... Continue? I, mean, I, I guess. I, I can't put my finger on it exactly, though. Yes, I mean, I can't believe that this film is comparing it to the highest grossing animated picture of all time. But, um, no, uh, that's interesting. So a lot of it is based off, for those of you who don't know, Lion King. <laughs> okay, so I understand that this little bit of the story is very much like that. Uh, Caleb, since you agree with really... Did you, did, you, did you see that kind of similarities to Lion King? And if, and if so... I mean, did you feel like this film contributed anything, like, new to it with the execution of the story? Well, I can't see where Willie's coming from with how it can relate to Lion King, but I think that it had its own little twist to it, so it sort of it, say, it sort of had the same message to it, but it, it sh- showed it in a different way. Okay, and it seems, and I have to say that this film was beautifully advertised because of... of how it shows the comet. If it didn't hit the earth, that was pretty funny. The animation is film. It looks absolutely gorgeous. What can you expect from Pixar? But I will say this was distracting for me from the advertisements that all this beautiful artwork and all this beautiful landscape and then we have the good dinosaur character who looks like a green jelly bean. And that's just my opinion. It kind of feels out of place. So, Willie, did you agree with, do you agree with me with that kind of statement with the animation or do you feel like the animation was just top-notch. It's some of the most beautiful animation I've actually seen. I, I, I was writing notes as I was watching it, and one of the things I put was, it looks like cinematography almost. 
you know, like just just the way it portrays its landscapes. And then and then the animators put in lens flare. I was like, is J.J. Abrams directing this? There was a lens flare whenever they were outside with the sun. I'm like, that is beautiful and so intricate and detailed. And it's the best part about this movie is is the animation. It's something so. So so pristine, I would say. I absolutely loved it. it. It took my breath away. It's shot pretty much like a regular live-action film be shot. Wow, that's absolutely amazing. I can't wait to see that. And again, lens flares, lens flares. Uh, so, Kayla, I hear that you interviewed talent from this film. Who are these talent that you interviewed? Yes, I did. I actually got a chance to interview Spot, played by... Jack Wright. Oh, and um, how was that experience meeting him, and what kind of question did you talk about for the film? It was actually really nice talking to him, and he's, and I asked, one of my questions I asked him was, how was he related to his character and he actually has hair just like his character but the one difference between them is that spot actually doesn't really speak any english throughout the film he just makes like grunts and and does actions that replaces his speaking and so that was actually really interesting to hear him talk about sounds like me in the morning fantastic (laughs) so now this film i understand is we talked about it's a little bit trite but let's talk about the redeeming qualities of it you mentioned the animation are are there any character qualities in this film that would make it different let's start with you willie yeah there 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 there's a great relationship there between our protagonist and and spot they start out by not liking by night by not liking each other but then throughout the film they start to grow an appreciation and love for each other and then in the end they're they're nearly inseparable so it's watching their journey together that really makes this film redeeming because it gives us something to attach to, you know? And also, there are other great archetypes with the supporting characters. You have the, the, the psychotic birds, and then you have... And then midway through, it turns into a Western somehow, some way. Like, really? there are these three T-Rexes. Yeah, there are these three T-Rexes who are, like, from Texas or whatever, and they have to round up their, their herd of, of, of bull, and then they help Arlo, you know, Arlo find himself, really. So it and very interesting characters in there that keep us in the game. And there's lots of humor. It's a very funny movie. From the start. Well, that's great to hear. Thank you so much, Willie and Kayla, for talking about The Good Dinosaur. It's been a pleasure as always. Oh, and Kayla, how many stars would you give this film? I would give this film four out of five stars. That's fantastic. And I and I can't wait to see this film. This film is in theaters now. So please, guys, go check it out. Thank you very much, Willie, Willie and Kayla. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Keeper Blakesley. And we just got done talking about The Good Dinosaur, Hunger Games, and also an animator for The Snowman and Snow Dogs, Camilla. Right now, we're talking with Triana, who is from Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, about the new addition to the Rocky series, which is Creed. How are you doing, Triana? I'm doing good. How about you? I'm fantastic. I'm actually really excited to talk about Creed because I, I actually do, I love the film Rocky and I'm surprised to see how many people actually really like this film because it seems that a lot of reviewers upon researching this really enjoyed this film and really felt like it revived the stories. First, I gotta ask, have you seen any Rocky films? I think I've seen some, but not. I don't really remember them like that. Okay, so it's a little bit like, it's, yeah, you can't remember too much. It's been too long since you've seen them. Okay, well, then going into this film without knowing too much about Rocky and the and the franchise and pretty much the, I would say, the, the conceit of this film, what did you think about this film? I really enjoyed this film. I thought it was amazing. Like, everything went so perfectly together. It was so much determination, romance, everything. Like, and especially because, like, they had some Philly parts in this film. It was kind of like a Philly movie. So I thought I was a little excited about that. Well, that's fantastic. Now, this, the legacy of the Rockies have been known for showing the nobody, pretty much the characters, nobody, and rising to the top. 
and becoming a somebody. Now, this film seems like it revives that in this new character, which is Adonis, Adonis Creed, which is uh, Apollo Creed's son, played by Michael B. Jordan, who, who might I add, is doing some pretty good work in his film career. So I understand you haven't seen, it's been a while since you've seen the old Rocky films, but did you feel like this, this film revised the story of the rising hero in a more modern way? A, a little bit, yeah, kind of. Care to elaborate on kind of? Like, how did it do that? I think because basically they were revolving around like the same thing of boxing and the way that like he was just so far down. He basically just rised up to be this big star. And the determination that he had through everything that he'd been with. And he still was having stuff that he was going through. But he still was able to conquer his dream. That sounds fantastic. And I'm glad they do that. And I love those kind of stories. Those kind of stories are very are, are very well done. And I'm glad that this film, from what I hear for you, is portraying this... Is taking a story and putting a more modern touch to it. And making it, a, I would say, the, 20, the 21st century Rocky. Yes. So, how many stars would you give this film? I would give this film five out of five stars because, I'm going to say this again, but, like, the determination and it was just awesome. It was romance. It was just everything, some comedy, so a little bit of action. It was just awesome and a little bit of thriller when they were fighting. So, but I just really enjoyed this film and the audience the audience that i was in in the theater they really enjoyed it too so you all guys should all watch it certainly i love going to movie theater and just being with the audience with us to see the reaction that's always one of my favorite parts of going to the movies well i'm glad you enjoyed it thank you so much Triana, for talking about creed it's been a pleasure as always it was a pleasure too this film is in theaters now, so please go check it out. Run and jog. Dun, 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 Let's take a break. I'm your host, Keo Blakesley, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. The longer you listen, the later it gets. You're listening to Voice America Kids. To become a Kids First film critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall. We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. What's cooking? Join Kid Chef Eliana for Cool Kids Cook. Eliana is one of the youngest published cookbook authors and will show you that there are all kinds of goodness in food beyond the chicken nuggets and fries. On our show, we'll discover cuisine from around the world, learn some great cooking techniques, speak with some of the world's top chefs, and share recipes. Kid Chef Eliana is here for you on Cool Kids Cook every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Kids Channel. Bon Appetit! 
Have you heard your 15 minutes of fame? How about four times that every single week? It's the fame game. Listen as Maddie Rose, who is up and coming in the world of fame, brings you fame from all walks of life. You'll hear from doctors, teachers, mentors, life heroes, as well as those in the fields of acting, movies, music, and more. Who knows? You might be the next one Maddie Rose talks to on the air. Listen for the fame game every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids Channel. You're listening to Voice America Kids, now with 33% more active ingredients and no artificial coloring. You are tuned in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Shh, turn off your phone. Another movie review is coming up. Welcome back. I'm Brianna Hope Eton, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We just finished speaking to Triana about Creed. Next, we will discuss Mike the Knight and on top, up on the rooftop. So right now, you're speaking with the wonderful Morgan again about Mike the Knight, Mike's bravest mission. So suspenseful. So Morgan, can you tell us about what you thought about this? I thought this was an amazing movie for little kids. It's really cute because you don't have so I really like that it said that and that it did that. And it's absolutely just an adorable little movie for um, kids. And I think that this could, from the animation, could be for grown-up kids and little, little kids. Because even though there's not lessons for the big kids, it still has great animation. Mm-hmm. And, and as you said before, with the whole learning things, which is always good for young kids to do, what type of things do they learn from this film? how to make friends and I'd have to say also how to just be like good to each other and nice to each other because there's a lot of kids who um like haven't learned this yet and I think that still is something that a lot of kids should learn yeah I think that is a good message be nice to people say it again and it also like gives them good incentive and it would also help them in the long run yes because nice children turned into nice young adults who turn into young adult I mean who turn into nice adults adults and who turn into older adults so if you are not if you are a nice child it will most likely follow you throughout your life which will make life easier when you're nice to people it makes life easier that's just what i've found in my short 16 years of life and i hope that it will continue to work to be nice to to other people so why do you think kids would like the program i mean of course the learning and you know the visuals but is there any other aspect that kids will really be drawn to it's a mystery really it's like one of those cool mysteries that you absolutely love so it's really suspenseful and it also has like a bit of magic and a bit of really good colorful animation a really just a really fun film and there's like dragons and there's knights and there's horses and there's kings and there's queens and wizards and warlocks it's like whoa i'm like yeah, when, I, <laughs> when i was younger i wanted to be a dragon i don't know why i just i wanted to be a pink dragon and i wanted to rule the world while being That's a dragon. Funny. i don't know that's funny. If you were me this year, I was a purple dragon for Halloween. Oh, see, we're basically the same person. That's it. We are basically the same person. <laughs> so Hello. since this 
is about a trainee. Do you think that kids can relate to this, you know, if they're in soccer or, or baseball or basketball or anything they have to train for? Do you think it's relatable? Yes, I do, because it basically says that they need to push themselves just a little bit harder um, since he's trying to be a knight. And a lot of kids don't think that they can do stuff, but if they put their minds to it and just hold their head up high, stand a little taller, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, and this is <laughs> something that gives that message as well which I think is very important also for kids to be like a good sport and know that even though you're trying your best it's okay as long as you have fun Mm -hmm. and since you are a little bit older than the young 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 ones do you still find yourself being engaged and and recommending it to other people your age you know what yes I would actually because like I said, it has great animation, and all the characters were voiced over so well that it was just adorable. And there's also, <laughs> like, some features which were really awesome. Meet Mike's Friends, which was a music video, and theme song karaoke. Who, for people who like karaoke, that's, like, really fun. Oh, I like karaoke. I mean, I can't sing, so I guess it makes it even fun, even funner, which is not a word, but I'm going to say it anyway, um, which makes it even funner because when you're bad at singing and you do karaoke, it just it just makes everything better. So what age range do you give this? I would give this age range, I'm going to say four and up, because I think three is a little bit too young, because this is an hour film, and it's not like little episodes or clips that are 15 minutes each, it's an hour film. So I think as long as they can sit still and watch a movie, Mm -hmm. then this would be good for them, or... If you have a younger child that's like Mike the Knight, they can still watch it because you can pause it and then continue it the next day or wait a few hours or something. Because it is is a DVD, so which is awesome. That is super awesome. And how many stars do you give this film? Four and a half because it's adorable and I absolutely loved it and it was just just amazing. I'm, I'm glad that you think it is amazing and adorable because at first glance I, I, I was like, mm, you know, I'm good. And then, you know, now that I see you and you like it very much and you think it's interesting, I just may have to check it out. So Mike the Knight is available on DVD and thank you, Morgan, for talking with us today. Thank you. You are absolutely lovely. Oh, thank you, Morgan. You are absolutely spectacular. <laughs> You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids Network, and today we are talking about Up on the Rooftop. So right now, we are speaking with 13-year-old Haley from Santa Fe, New Mexico. We are talking about Up on the Rooftop. So please, Haley, can you tell us all about what you thought of this film? Personally, I loved it. It was was a little bit for younger kids, but I loved it. It was a Christmas movie, and it was dogs, so of course I had to enjoy it. I And this is just in time for the holidays, so I love... A tradition I have in my household, I guess you could say, is I think, I think it's December 1st we start... We start watching Christmas movies like maybe one every week or or two every week or something like that. And it always gets me in the mood for Christmas. And I totally see this film as not that I've seen it, but I totally see this film as being one of those movies that people will watch as as a tradition or, you know, watch because of the holidays. So I'm glad that it has that holiday spirit. So you said this film is about dogs and it is for the holidays. So can you tell me a little about what the plot is? Yeah, it's about this dog named Toby, who's smaller than all the dogs up on the North Pole. Aww. So he does. He kind of feels insecure about that, and he doesn't like being the small one. So I'm not going to say how, but he ends up in Iowa being such a troublemaker. <laughs> oh, Iowa. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> 
Yeah, he he's very stubborn. So this thing happens where he gets stuck on the sleigh. But yeah, so he gets stuck with his family and they take and then I think the whole movie is him getting through from Iowa to the North Pole with his, the family that he ended up bumping into. Oh, this sounds adorable. And you know, since Toby is a dog, did you but did you relate to anything that he did or or any of the people around him? I think the fact that it was Christmas and it was kids having Christmas spirit, I thought it was just very Christmassy. So, of course, I had to relate to it. <laughs> and do you see this being one of the films that, you know, you can add to seeing some Christmases or, or thinking about throughout the year? Yeah, I would definitely consider it a Christmas classic. So I would love to watch it again next Christmas. Well, I'm glad that you feel that way. And how is this with the emotions? Because uh, as I'm hearing, it is it is an animation. So how do you think the voice actors are? And how do you think they portray your their emotions? Actually, it's not animated. But, okay. Um, it's okay. But the dogs did talk, so I loved the dogs talking. It, that the dogs' acting was actually very believable, but the actors themselves, the humans around them, uh, it, it wasn't very genuine acting. That's the only thing. That's only one of the things that I would have not liked about it. Didn't feel like it was genuine and new. I guess natural. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that the dogs did a great job because you know sometimes dogs need a time to shine. And this is a great film for that. <laughs> yeah. So what about the music? It was very Christmassy. That's that's one of the big things that I w- was actually going to say. So yeah, but otherwise, it was just very traditional. Traditional? What, did you still enjoy it, even though it was traditional? Oh yeah, definitely. And did you follow along? Because it... You know, it seems like a very straight, not straight film, but straightforward film, very simple. So was it easy to follow along? Yeah, that's what I did adore about the film. It wasn't wasn't confusing at all. And it's good to have films that aren't confusing because sometimes films come out and you're like, you really like it. But sometimes it just gets really hectic and you're like, I have no idea what's going on, but I still like the film. So it's it's good (laughs) to have a refreshing taste of of a simple and straightforward but beautiful beautifully done film mm-hmm. and what age range do you do you i guess recommend this film as because you did say it was for a little bit younger age so mm. well if you like christmas then i would say for ages for the lowest age possible to i would say 10 or 11 unless you're a super holiday traditional person <laughs> well i'm glad you liked it and it seemed like you enjoyed it very much as well thank you for talking to us about up on the wolf top yeah no problem i will definitely enjoy talking to you again Haley. guys it's available on dvd so please check it out thanks so much for joining with us today you have been listening to kids first coming attractions be sure to watch our reviews our video reviews on the latest film and dvd releases and learn how you can become a kids first film critic go to www kidsfirst.org. Please be sure to check out our blog on the teen section of the Huffington Post. This show is produced by the Coalition for Quality Children's Media on the Voice America Kids Network. Today's show is sponsored by The Snowman from N-Circle Entertainment. Thanks for listening. Thank you.
thank you again for tuning in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Now you know more about which movies are playing and can make an informed decision. Tune in again next week. We'll be right back. 